Hello and welcome to The Weekend Booktopia. I'm Mark Harding, Content and Brand Manager for Booktopia, and this is a podcast about the books that we're reading. Joining me today are Head of Trade Products, Joe Lewin. Hello, Joe. Hey, Mark. Uh, we're also joined by Category Manager for Kids and YA, Sarah McDooling. Hi, Sarah. Hi. And we're also joined by Trade Product Coordinator, Renee, Renee Adolfson. Hi, Renee. Hey, Mark. Uh, so first, we'll discuss a little bit of book news, then we'll delve into the books everyone is reading, and be sure to stick around until the end of the show when my guests will go head-to-head in a battle for book trivia, quiz supremacy, in a little show we like to call Book Fight. Uh, so book news topics. Um, we received notice this week that Boy Swallows Universe by Trent Dalton hit a very big milestone this week, uh, just ahead of the release of his new book, All Ashen Rings Guys, which is that Boy Swallows Universe has now sold over 500,000 copies, uh, which is awesome. Yeah, an incredible. I'm so happy. Yeah. It's a deserving book for it. Yeah. And I'm so, I feel so honored that, um, Sarah, I'm sure you were there in the room with Trent and maybe the first 500 copies of that yeah. book that was sold were signed by Trent down in our cozy little signing studio um, at Booktopia HQ. Um, to see the book go from such humble beginnings, we were like, oh, should we order this many? You know, it's a debut author. We don't know how it's going to sell. We just love it. So we want to we want to support it. We want to buy a whole lot of them and get him to sign it because he's such a great guy. Um, and it's been amazing to see it go on and do such incredible things and win every prize under the sun. And um, I just couldn't be happier for him. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. yeah. And I can't wait to see all those hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of signed copies of All Our Shimmering Skies um, fly out the door as well, which I know Trent has been very busy signing uh, signing book plates for us this time because, you know, different world isolation. But, um, mm. uh, yeah, we're, we're really excited to see how well the next one's going to go. Yeah, and everyone should uh, keep an ear out as well for our um, upcoming podcast with Trent. Uh, ben, our um, fiction category manager, is going to interview him on Monday. Uh, so that podcast will be out at uh, some point in the next couple of weeks, which is very exciting. They uh, have a beautiful bromance. They do, yeah. don't they? Very <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to the next uh, quick bit of news. Uh, the Women's Prize for Fiction was awarded this week, and it went to Maggie O'Farrell for her novel Hamnet. Uh, has anybody read Hamnet? I haven't. It's been it's been on my list to read like so many things, and I do have a copy, but I haven't read it yet. So I guess now I have an extra reason to do it, <laughs> other than Olivia telling us all to read it, <laughs> because we know that our beautiful bloggess uh, Olivia Frico um, is just enamoured of this book. She yeah. was um, she was outraged that it wasn't long listed for the booker. So hopefully she'll be um, she'll be soothed by this this prize. And according yeah. to Olivia, very very well deserved. So I am looking forward to reading it one day. It. <laughs> is it is it a strange thing that um, that Hamnet uh, won the Women's Prize for Fiction but didn't make the the booker list uh, long uh, the booker long list cut? I stopped trying to apply logic to awards a long time ago because I just feel like you can't you just you can't always predict it. Once you have a shortlist, you can sometimes predict who the winner out of the shortlist will be. But in terms of who's gonna get long listed, I just there are some sure things and then everything else is just 
could be anything. Yeah, I'm 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 assuming that it's a very worthy winner. And again, I am assuming that based mainly on Olivia Frico's. Yeah. <laughs> and look, you could you could spend all day um, postulating on why a book won a prize and what what the politics was behind it. But unless you're in that voting room, I'd yeah. like to think that they were all sitting there going, you know, she was robbed of the book along list. But I'm sure that they just judged the books on their merits and came up with that one. Now, we're going to talk about the Booker Prize again in a, in a second. Um, but before we do, very quick uh, bit of um, book adaptation news that happened this week, which is that the long-awaited trailer for the new adaptation of Frank Herbert's Dune was released yesterday to millions and millions of views and much hype and excitement on the internet. Uh, we fans of Dune, are we looking forward to Denis Villeneuve's uh, take on the source material? I am. I have not read Dune, but... I love a science fiction epic, so I will probably watch this film based on the strength of the cast and just knowing that it's this institutional, like, beloved science fiction epic. I'm definitely, definitely keen to see it, and I think the trailer makes it look good. Although I have been interested to watch the reactions on Twitter. Some people think it looks terrible, like too dramatic or too, like, fraught, you know, um, with high emotion, but uh, I think it looks great. <laughs> The book is very. The book is a very dry book, in a lot of ways, and not just because they're on a desert planet. But <laughs> pun but, one. Can we count them? That was number one pun from Mark. Let's see how many we get. I'm not sure if my eye roll was visible. Was uh, audible? I feel like it might have been. <laughs> but look, um, as a as a as a big fan of of the book. Um, I have to say the trailer looks really, really good. It looks like a very faithful uh, take on, on on the source material. Um, and I, I read somewhere yesterday that apparently it's only the first half of the book. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they decide to end it. But anyway, uh, so June, that's gonna be out at some point in 2021, I don't think they actually announced a date. Um, so last bit of book news, uh, the Booker Prize shortlist is going to be announced imminently. It's just around the corner, I believe Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. Uh, it's yep. uh, Tuesday, I think Tuesday UK time. So we'll wake up to the news. Excellent. Now, Joe, I know that you have been making a huge effort this year to read everything on the long list. Yes. Uh, last time we spoke about this, you um, had made a solid dent. How far along have you gotten? Are, are you are you are you done? And um... uh, so, so there's thirteen there's thirteen books on the long list. Um, I'm up to I've read nine. I'm halfway through number ten. Wow. And yeah, so... I figured seeing as I had already read The Mirror and the Light way back when it was released, I was already halfway through. <laughs> That's the only one that I have read out of all of them. Well, and it's such a it's such a massive one. Like when you look at the um they have a photograph on their um on their website of the long list and the mirror and the light is like a third <laughs> <laughs> of the breadth of that stack of books. Um, it really is a monster. So I felt like the rest of it should be a snack. So do you have predictions for what you think will be on the shortlist? Well, look, I have a prediction about the winner. I'm, I'm going to skip the shortlist. My prediction about the winner is that they can't give it to two people again. They can't give it to Hilary Mantel because that would be too obvious. And they can't not give it to Hilary Mantel. 
So yeah. I think that the whole concept of the Booker Prize will just spontaneously come up. Because <laughs> I, I only have read that one and I would love if she would win. And what an achievement to win for each one. Like that would be, no one's done that, right? Nobody's done that. No, it would yeah. be a world first. I think she was the first one to win uh, for two books in a series. And then she would then be the, the, the first one to win for three books in a series. Like it's an amazing achievement and it would be such a shame not to give her that record because the third book really is just, uh, it's just an extraordinary book. The way it, um, the way it wraps up that whole, the whole Wolf mm. trilogy experience, the way, um, the way it finishes is just stunning. Um, so to not crown her achievement with a third Booker Prize would be criminal. But yeah, at the same time, uh, do we need another middle-aged white woman winning the Booker Prize? Snore. I want her to win, though, like just because I want the first person to have ever done that to continue being her. Like yeah, I want her to keep look, that. I, to be honest, I don't mind if she wins or not as long as I've got um, a nice big box of popcorn. I'm just going <laughs> to sit there and read Twitter after the announcement happens uh, because I just feel like everybody's brains are going to explode. No matter what happens, there's going to be a controversy. If she wins, everyone will be angry. If she doesn't win, everybody will be angry. Yeah, that's really true, actually, and maybe she shouldn't win. But also... Maybe this will, you heard it here first, this will be the last ever Booker Prize because it's going to collapse in on itself after <laughs> after this year. I don't, uh, if, okay, if you took Hillary out of the equation, what would be your forerunner, Joe? Um, oh, that's a tricky one. I really loved Who They Was by Gabrielle Krause. I think that was my favorite out of the ones that I've read so far um it's like normal people but set in the estates of London I know every book is normal people except blah 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 blah, blah but this one <laughs> um I, I just I really loved the um I loved the writing I loved the character um it just felt real and uh, I don't know how else to ex explain it because it was just, it was great. It was a real uh, roller coaster ride and um, I was completely entranced by it. Um, but on the same token, I really love Shuggy Bane as well. Shuggy Bane is um, like normal people if it was about a child in Scotland, so nothing like normal people at all, um, with an alcoholic mother and he is um, somewhere on a spectrum of, of queerness, you know, he doesn't fit in with all of the kids um, in his working class suburb of Scotland because, you know, he's just a bit feminine. He doesn't do what boys do. He gets beaten up a lot and he has this really, really rough life but um, comes has this incredible resilience and this incredible compassion for his his mother and um, the, the way it paints these... Uh, these uh, suburbs of, I think it's Glasgow, um, where coal mines are shutting down, there's no work, um, really, really evocative. So I loved that as well. The only one that um, I've- so Those are my two picks, I guess. 
I was say, the, the only one I've read is um, How Much of These Hills is Gold, um, which I really yeah. loved. I was curious to hear what you thought of that, Joe. I, I loved that one as well. That, look, there weren't very many um, that I read that I didn't love. Um, I did love C. Pam Jang. Um, it was a completely unique view of um, uh, the American frontier that I hadn't that I hadn't read before. So you know the the Chinese um, perspective on the American gold rush really really fascinating. So I'd read um, Sebastian Barry's um, what's the name of that book? Thousand Moons, something like that. Oh, Days Without End. Yeah. Days Without End, um, which is also it's about a similar period of history um, from the point of view of um, uh, two men who are in um, the American Civil War together and they become lovers. And so that was one really interesting perspective on that period of history. And then this is coming from another mm. point of view. Amazing a story, a story that has been told so many times, but when it's told from a different viewpoint, um, can capture so many new things. Yeah, uh, I think what I liked about it was that it's like normal people. If um, Marion and Connell were siblings in the old west, it's always normal people. Are you sure it wasn't also a little bit like Fleabag, like <laughs> and something else? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's a uh, that's a nice uh, a nice place to to end our book news. Now, before we jump into uh, discussing the books that we're all reading at the moment, um, I just wanted to acknowledge that this week our uh, podcast is sponsored by Heavy as a Mountain by Vincent Connolly. Uh, when a young Japanese fighter pilot is shot down and captured in the 1942 Darwin bombing, he knows in his heart he should be dead. Duty is heavy as a mountain, death as light as a feather. That's the military code, and it means fight to the death, never surrender, or you'll bring a bitter shame on yourself and your family. He conceals his true name to protect his family, and he's drawn away from his military indoctrination by experiences with ordinary Australians drawn towards living out his own individuality. It's a tale of the Australian World War II experience seen through the eyes of a deeply troubled man, and it is available right now at booktopia.com.au and is published through Booktopia Editions. Okay, so what are we reading at the moment? Uh, let's start with you, Renee. Okay, so I've actually just finished a book um, by John Boyne, who is the author of um, Boyne the Striped Pajamas. Uh, so the book I read was A Traveller at the Gates of Wisdom, which is a historical fiction novel that I'm going to say it's my favourite historical novel that I've read to date. Wow. Like it's really wow. a great work of historical fiction. Usually I find with historical fiction it kind of, you know, it kinds to get a bit sluggish. Like I always loved learning about history and at university and high school, but you tend to get to moments where things get very drawn out but this book really kept it fresh. So what was so interesting about this book is it's an epic tale of humanity and it's stretched over two millennia. Um, and each chapter starts in a different place and point in time, but it follows the same unnamed narrator and it sticks with the same family. So this family, they have variances in name every time they move to a different period and place, but their characteristics and motives stay the same, which is very interesting. And it kind of, it, it reflects how we've kind of made such progress in history in terms of technology and in terms of cultural aspects and things. But on a social plane, we've actually haven't progressed that far. 
So yeah, it's a very interesting tale about how far we have come in terms of like AD1 Palestine all the way up to the USA and Australia today. But in terms of social equality and our own emotional motives, um, we haven't actually moved that far. So yeah, I found that a very interesting novel. Did you, um, uh, are you familiar with the story about um, the research that he did for, for this book? I'm not actually. Uh, there's a, there was a story uh, out a couple of weeks ago that um, somebody was reading the book and I'm not sure which chapter it's in, but one of the characters um, makes a, a red dye to dye some, some clothes or something. Um, yes. And the ingredients for the red dye, uh, the result of a quick Google search that John Boyne did, not realizing that the first hit on Google uh, was um, red dye as made in the video game, The Legend of Zelda. So the, uh, <laughs> the ingredients are all from like the Zelda fantasy realm. And nobody, nobody knows. That makes me love it even more. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> so, and he, he acknowledged it as well. He said that that um, that he he uh, put his hand up as like guilty. I just did a cursory Google for this and I didn't notice. And in future editions, he's going to add um, Legend of Zelda in the acknowledgements as well. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, that's amazing. Um, what, what a good piece of trivia. Uh, uh, is that all you've been reading, Renee, or do you have another book? I have another book, um, so it's very different from John Boyne. I also am in the middle of reading The Space Between, which is um, written by the two girls who created the Shameless podcast, so Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. And I thought this was probably a good point in time to read a book like this because I am in my 20s. And um, I thought it would, I didn't know how I'd be able to relate to these girls because I'm not very mainstream in the way that I'm, I'm very uncool and I'm not on trend. <laughs> and I'm the first one to What Like, just take that as red. Like. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm actually quite surprised. I've only read the first um, chapter, which focuses on relationships and the girls kind of go through um, how far they've come from when they were first 20 to now that they're in, I think they're about 25, 26, and how they see relationships and how they venture through heartbreak and how it's changed their perspective. And it's a really good metaphor, the actual, the name, the space between, because it is that bridge between who you were when you were 20, even to when you're 25. There's such a huge gap and there's such a massive learning curve. And you're kind of thrown into this position where you have to make your own decisions and kind of make mistakes. And these girls have a really good insight and they're very witty and they make you feel comfortable and they venture into topics that you probably, as someone who is shy myself, I probably couldn't talk to my friends about, would be very uncomfortable talking to my mom about. So it's a really interesting read for anyone in their 20s, anyone looking back at what their 20s was like and wants to compare what 20s are like now. It's a really interesting read. Yeah, I want to forget my 20s. I'm so glad that they're gone. <laughs> sometimes I think I would like to be younger and then sometimes I remember what it was like and I'm like, yeah, nah. Yeah, chapter closed. Now that, now that I'm 30. <laughs> I was going to say, I could write a book about like being in my late 30s and call it the space between, but the space between is the space in my knees where the cartilage used to be. <laughs> and... Well, it's not really pun, really, but that's joke too. <laughs> yeah. I had my normal people joke before as well. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Yeah. I missed one. Okay, we're on three. Okay. Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, that, Sarah, you volunteered to go next. What are you reading at the moment? All right. I am talking. I have visual aids. Um, 
these are the books. I think we're just releasing this as a podcast, so this is very helpful. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought we were also releasing the video. <laughs> if I didn't want to. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, never mind the visual aid then. Um, I have read three books on a theme by accident. I didn't really mean to do it. Um, and so I just wanted to sort of talk about these three books on the theme of magic school. The first one is Hollowpox, which is the very long anticipated third book in the best-selling Nevermore series by Jessica Townsend. This has been um, coming for a while. Uh, we've all been very excited. It got delayed a few times. And the thing I find really fascinating about this series is that it just gets funnier and more magical and more fun with each book. This is just delightful. Like I could confidently recommend this to any kid and they're gonna they're just gonna have the best time with it. And this one is particularly interesting because it's about keeping in mind it was written well in advance of 2020. It's about a magical disease um, called hollowpox. And the way in which the the Nevermore community deals with this um, outbreak of hollowpox is like uncannily on point considering this was all written, like I'm sure, you know, some things might have been changed in drafts, but from what I understand, the book was written years ago. Like, um, so yeah, it's very relevant for now, even though it's about a kid who's in magical school and um, highly, highly recommend it. Love Holly Pop. The other two magic school books that I read, not really fully comprehending that they were magic school books are, um, the first one is A Deadly Education by Naomi Novak, or sorry, Novik. I always mis mispronounce her name. Um, Naomi Novik, who is the author of Spinning Silver and um, the Tremere Dragon series and Uprooted, has written this book um, where it's very, it's very good. It's very dark. It's actually... Um, I would confidently say you could put this in YA, and we, we are. We've we've put it in our YA category. But the publishers are releasing it as well as adult fiction, I think because the themes are quite dark. But it's a teenage girl in a school with no teachers and um, no kind of set classes. The school is all about survival. <laughs> you, you get through or you die. <laughs> and... Um, it's very, the school is called Scholomance and it's um, it's super creepy and really interesting and amazing. And if you're a fan of Naomi Novik's previous books, I think you'll find this has everything that she normally brings to the table, like really rich, interesting writing, um, but it also is a little bit different from what she's done before. So it's probably more in line with the Tremere series, which I haven't actually read but which reimagines the Napoleonic War with dragons. So, like, um, that's that one. And then the other one is The Betrayals by Bridget Collins. And this book is so delicious. Like, I am, I haven't actually finished it. I'm, I'm in the middle of it. And it has me so enthralled. It's a, I don't know if any of you read The Binding. Um, is it set in that same world, Sarah? No, I don't, it's not explicitly. Like there's nothing, no, I don't think so. It's just, it's a different sort of world, but it does feel historical. So it's like 
our world with a twist sort of thing. Like it's not, it's really, it's really hard to say. Like mainly the concept here is there's this guy in his 30s, he used to go to the this really, really prestigious school called um, Montverre where you learn a thing called the Grand Jew. Actually, it reminded me a little bit of the Night Circus. Like you've got these people training in this magic that's never actually fully, at the moment where I'm at in the book, they haven't really explained the magic. It's it's sort of maybe a little bit scientific and a little bit musical, but you don't really understand how it works, which I imagine some people might find frustrating. But with this author, I'm there for it. Like she has a way of just casting a spell over me and then it's slow moving. Like it is a slow burn book. You can't just pick this up and be, you know, if you're in in a fantasy read for like immediate, um, an immediately gripping plot, you might struggle a bit with this because it is a slow, dreamy build up and a lot of it is quite confusing. But I don't know how else to explain it except that I'm happily I'm happily confused. Like I don't need to know it all. I just I'm in it for the relationship between the two main characters, which is slowly developing. Um, and I'm I'm fine for her to not really explain it all to me. I'm just on the journey and it's it's just rich and captivating and mysterious and I'm I'm loving it. And those are my three magic school books. <laughs> That's quite a thing. That's good, Sarah. Thank you. <laughs> um, Joe, what are you reading? Uh, I think I already talked a little bit about the books that I've read because, as you know, as we said, I have been working with my way through the Booker long list. Mm. Um, so right now, I'm up to the Shadow King uh, by Maza Mengista. Um, it is it's pretty cool. It's about a woman who was a fighter in the war between Ethiopia and Italy in the 30s. So um, a period of history I'm completely not familiar with at all. So apparently Mussolini um, invaded parts of Ethiopia um, and alongside the male fighters there was a, um, there was a female um, army, I guess, is, is what's being suggested by the very first uh, few chapters of this book. Um, and this woman who was born into poverty, she then goes and works um, as a slave in a rich family's house. And then uh, as the war develops, she gets drawn into, into warfare, I guess. I can't say that much more about it because I've, I'm only about a third of the way through, but it's fascinating. Um, it's always fascinating to read um, a book about a period of history that I'm not familiar with. As much as I love to read, you know, the Thomas Cromwell trilogy and I know already quite a bit about the Tudors and I'm, you know, reading personalities into areas of history that I know, it's also fascinating to read a book where there's a story but I'm also learning things I never knew. Um, so that's been really, really interesting. Um, and I will let you know how it goes. Excellent. Awesome. Yeah. And um, I believe we'll be hearing uh, more from you on the podcast front next week uh, when yeah. we actually are doing a podcast specifically about the Booker Price shortlist. And, yes, uh, I am. 
yeah, we'll hear in depth some more thoughts from you. Uh, looking forward to that. All right. Well, if we have no more books we want to share, uh, we'll get over into book fight. But first, um, we're just going to acknowledge another one of our sponsors. Uh, so this week, we are also sponsored by Keto Bites by Heather Thomas, which is a cookbook with carb-free muffins, fat bombs, truffles, and more. They're simple, low-carb, high-fat, sweet and savory snacks that are incredibly easy and inexpensive to make and packed with keto-friendly ingredients such as avocados, chocolate, and nuts. This book has 30 step-by-step -step recipes, including a full nutritional breakdown to keep energy and keto levels up throughout the day. It is published through Booktopia Editions, and it is available right now at booktopia.com.au. All right. Book fight. Here we go. Are we ready? So the first thing that we do is we choose a word that we shout out when we want to buzz in with an answer. So, Renee, what's your word going to be? Uh, I'm going to keep with my tradition of taking something out of a title from one of the books, and so I'm just going to say space. Excellent. Uh, Joe, what are you going to go with? That sounds like a great tradition. I'm going to go with shadow. Excellent. And Sarah? Um, I can't block that trend, so I will go with hollow box. Excellent. All right. Are we ready? Fingers on button. No. I hate this part. <laughs> some, of these, some, of these, some of these are really easy. <laughs> okay, question one. Over the past week in France, a small book from a micro-publishing house has become a national bestseller after calls from prominent politicians for it to be banned. What is the title? And I will, of Space. course, the translation. Yes, Renee. Um, it's I Hate Men, I believe. Yes, that is correct. Point for Renee. It is catchy title. By <laughs> All right. Second question: Which novel opens with the line, "It is a truth universally acknowledged"? Oh, Fox. Yes, Sarah. I hope this isn't like a a book that begins with the line from Pride and Prejudice, but then changes it. I, I don't know. I'm going with Pride and Prejudice. That is the wrong answer. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> oh, shadow, shadow. <laughs> I, think, I think Renee. I think Renee got in there. Isn't that Emma? No. No. Joe. I thought oh. it was Emma. I'm going to read. Complete, I'm going to read the complete quote. Yeah. Okay. Go with the complete line. But also, can I just guess again? Yeah. Is it Bridget Jones? No. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm about to get a collective eye roll. Oh, 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 oh! Is it June? It's June, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> the first line of June. It's, it's a truth universally acknowledged that the desert is very dry. And I have a feeling once I read this, it will be obvious what the book is. So whoever okay. wants to buzz in can still get a point. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a zombie in possession of brains must be... Hollow box. More brains. Yes, Sarah. Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Hey, Seth Graham Smith. Diabolical. Sarah mark. specifically asked, is this one of those ones where it's like the book, but then they've changed it around? <laughs> <laughs> and it was. <laughs> and it was. Trixie. Okay. I'm so glad that that, that played out exactly how it, how I wanted it to in my mind. <laughs> I'm really happy. Happy to oblige. <laughs> All right. This week. The city of Santa Fe rejected a development ap application from George R. R. Martin. What did he want to build on his property that was rejected? Hollow Pox. Sarah. This is a guess. Uh, the Castle of Winterfell? <laughs> uh, look, I'm going to give that to you because it was a castle-shaped library on his, on his wow. property. 
that was apparently right, cool. above like the development line and everybody was going to be able to see his castle. <laughs> I can't right. believe it. I wish he would stop trying to build structures and instead write a book. All right. Now, this next question, you could potentially get three points. Um, I'll elaborate more on that when I come to the end of it. So what book series am I? I was originally planned as a six book series, but I eventually ended after 14 novels. I have sold over 80 million copies worldwide and I'm one of the best selling series of all time. My characters include Rand Althor and- Oh, Hollow Fox. Yeah, Sarah. Uh, Wheel of Time. Wheel of Time, so I'll give you a point um, and I'm gonna keep reading it because there is a, um, there's two more points that you can get. So anyway, yeah, yeah, I'm out. I, don't, I actually don't need to. I don't need to read the rest because we got it's Wheel of Time. And so the other part of the question is, um, can you name both of the authors who wrote Wheel of Time? Oh, uh, Hollow Pox. Um, Robert Jordan. Yep. And Brandon Sanderson. Very good. <laughs> Excellent. All right, we've got three questions to go. <clears throat> Quick points points check. Joe on zero, Renee on one, and Sarah uh, on five. Can I just add that I'm these questions are dumb? Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the answers to them. Only okay, so, um, two people have ever written questions for this quiz. So you either get the dumb questions with me or the smart questions with Liv. And trust me, you do not want the smart questions with Liv. <laughs> okay. Uh, I feel like this is going to be one that's uh, whoever's fastest is going to get it. But uh, the new Garth Nix book is called The Left-Handed What of Hollow Pox. Sarah. Wait, is the question what the name of it is? The Left-Handed What of London. Oh, booksellers. Very good. <laughs> All right. I have a feeling this is going to be another fast one. Name the author whose new book, Rage, is the result of 18 interviews. Oh, um, Shadow. Joe. Uh, Bob Woodward. Very good. Finally. <laughs> All right. Last question. Uh, what is the title of the upcoming collection of essays by Hilary Mantel? Uh, Shadow. Joke. Uh, it's one worthy of you, Mark. It's called Mantle Pieces. I love it. <laughs> Mark loves a pun. <laughs> love a pun-based title. All right. Yeah. So you love a pun-based anything. At the end of at the end of the night, <laughs> Uh, Renee won, Joe two, and Sarah uh, takes a very uh, healthy win with six points. Well wow. done, Sarah. Congratulations. Wow. If I was a competitive person who was super into quizzes, I'd be really rejoicing right now, but I'm just actually surprised. <laughs> You're one of the least competitive winners we've had. <laughs> people get really like excited and shove it in everyone's face, or maybe that's just me when I won. <laughs> weeks ago. Anyway. So thank you everyone for joining me today and thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, Weekend Booktopian is produced by Nick Vasilia. You can find links to the books we've discussed today in the episode description or you can find them on booktopia.com.au and you can listen to all of our shows for free on SoundCloud and iTunes, including our recent interview with Malcolm Knox. Until next time, thanks for listening and never stop reading. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast, 
and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore, at booktopia.com.au. I hope saying holopox that many times has like subliminally gone into their brains so that they all stop listening to this podcast and then go and buy holopox. Yeah, I think that you should leave that that little outro in Mark. <laughs> <laughs>